All right, are you ready for God's word today? All right, why don't you get your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, I'm not going to start in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Um, I will eventually get there, but we are in a series of messages that we called You Asked For It. And the reason we called it that is because these are topics that you sent me, I asked for topics, and you sent them to me. And I had some questions on social media, like, can we still send topics? Um, You can email them to us, or you can put them on my social media or the church social media if you want to. And if I can work them in, I can't rewrite everything at this point, but if I can work them in or provide an answer, then then I would be glad to do that. And one of the questions I get asked a lot, it's a very, and I understand it's a very important question, and that is, Pastor, is my dog going to be in heaven. And, um, and I would say, yes, according to, to Disney, um, all dogs, all dogs actually go to heaven. I think cats are questionable. I do. And, and it really just comes down to one, one doctrinal point. They can't, it's hard to baptize one. You baptize a dog, he's going to love you forever. You try to baptize a cat, it's going to, you know, it's going to rip your eyes out. You know what I'm saying? Many times I think when I'm looking at these little cats across, you know, people have cats. And if you're a cat person, it's okay. I'm not mad at you. I just think your cat's thinking if I were 100 pounds bigger, I would eat you. I think that's what they're thinking most of the time. Um, but actually the Bible does talk about animals in heaven. It says that, uh, most people say the, the lamb and the lion will lay down together. It's not actually what the Bible says. It says the lamb and the wolf will lay down together. It says the lion will eat grass like a cow, honestly. And so we always say, oh, the lamb and the lion, they're going to lay down together. That's a great verse. It's a great verse, just not in the Bible. It may be in your Bible. It's not in the Bible, but uh, it does say the lamb and the wolf will lay down together. It does, say, And then it immediately references a lion and says that essentially it will become an herbivore. You know? so, uh, so anyways, yeah, I, think, I absolutely think there are animals in heaven, and I'm sure yours is going, okay? Just whatever animal you have, I'm sure it's, unless it's a snake, it's not going. It's not going. There's a reason why, but it's not going. It's whole theological point. Not going to get into it. All right, so we're in a series called You Asked For It. I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I'm going to talk about and why I'm going to talk about it. I got a lot of questions. I thought this was good. I got a lot of questions, obviously, about hell. We talked about that last week, and I know that's a really, really long message, and I'm so sorry it was that long, but I was trying to answer a lot of questions, and I encourage you, if you haven't seen that message yet or heard that message, get online and watch it. I think it will help. You got a lot of great feedback, but we got a lot of questions about how we're going to spend eternity, and I think that's a great question, and I'll tell you why I think it's a great question in a minute, so I'm going to talk about that today uh, as we dive into God's Word together. Because and, and I'll just tell you, I think we need to know. And so I brought this um, to, to show you why we need to, to talk about eternity um, because it's really important. Here's why. Now, if this is not an, a rope that goes to infinity, yeah, you didn't know you were going to die at church today, did you? Um, but let's just pretend like that this rope, you know, was was eternity. Does that make sense? And, and if it were eternity, obviously it wouldn't stop you know, like in this building, you know, and I kind of threw it out there. But obviously, if this rope was eternity, it would just go on forever, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that make sense? Because that's how long eternity is. And this is eternity, you know, when someone gets the infinity stones and it uh, gets all wound up here. And so, but if this were eternity, it would just go on forever and ever and ever and ever. Does that make sense? To, in, to infinity, right? To eternity. 
Um, and, and so the reality is we're eternal. We are eternal. The Bible is very clear. We're going to talk about it today. But we talked about it last week. After what we would call we die, right? After our funeral, there's a long time called eternity. And it goes on and on and on. This is eternity. Am I making the point? So if you could imagine this rope leaving this room and like going outside and wrapping around the world and then going like to Mars and then flying over to Saturn and this rope just keeps going forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, that's eternity. Now, here's what you need to understand. That's all eternity. This little red part right here, that's your life now. Isn't it interesting how much time we spend worried about this little part right here? When maybe we should, because people say, I don't want to talk about eternity. You're going to spend more time there than here. Maybe, maybe we should ask questions about how eternity is going to go down because you're going to be there forever. You're going to be here 80, 90, maybe 100 years, something like that. And, and I would wonder today, like, could I ask a question and we'd be honest? This week, how much of your energy and time, your capacity was spent Worried about this little, this little part right here. And how much did you think about eternity this week? Or someone else's eternity? Or going to eternity without someone else? So that's why I think this is a great question when people start saying, what's eternity look like and how long are we going to be there? Well, you're going to be there forever. And it's really important. And, and listen to me. And, and this is what your life is going to be on this earth, just this little, little red tip. And so it's a great question. It is a great question because what we're going to find out today, oh, it's, I'm not going to tell you yet. I'm just going to leave that rope right there. We're going to find out some things today. So this is the question we're answering today. I called this message, uh, how do we spend eternity. How do we spend eternity? Let's pray together. Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would come and as we open the word of God, Lord, that you would just breathe into our souls and speak to our lives and let us be forever changed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to read a lot of scripture on our way to 1 Corinthians. In fact, I'm going to read a lot of scripture today. I'm not going to apologize because you came to church. Just like if you had come to a steak restaurant, I would not apologize for serving you copious amounts of beef. Make sense? But today we're going to talk about this event that happens that everyone shows up to, including you and me and everyone else. And it's an event called Judgment Day. Doesn't that sound like a great encouraging message? Yes, praise God. But again, do you know why we need to talk about it? Because you're going to be there. And it would be better for you to understand it now. And you'll see what I mean as we go. So let's talk about it. Hebrews 9.27 says, It is appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. The NIV says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. Now let me read you some scripture about judgment day. Second Peter 3, 7 says, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition or, or punishment of ungodly men. So there's the day of judgment. First John 4, 17, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment 
Matthew 12, 36, but I say that for every idle word men speak, they will give an account in the day of judgment. I do not like that verse because I have a tendency to talk a little bit. And I'm going to be more accountable because I've got more words out there than many of you. My youngest son will not have a lot to be accountable for. He doesn't say much. Me, myself, and I, it's going to be a while. We're going to need eternity to talk about everything I said. 2 Timothy 4, 8, finally, there is laid up for me, this is Paul speaking, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. When you see that day or the day, and day is capitalized in your Bible, it's talking about judgment day. So here's some questions. Here, here's some questions that we should ask. Um, number one, is there, is there a day of judgment? The answer is Yes. Number two, will unbelievers be judged? The answer is yes. Will believers be judged? The answer is yes. Now we got a question. Now we got a question. What are we judged on? How are we judged? Right? I mean, think about it. Because one thing that I've taught, if you've hung out here, hopefully you understand what the Bible says about salvation and the fact that it is by grace alone. Right? This comes from, I mean, the Reformation, Martin Luther, grace alone, right? Sola gratia, right? Grace alone. Remember the five sola statements of the Reformation, right? So, so if we're saved by grace, why do we even, what are we judged by? How are we going to be judged? Because most people understand unbelievers, oh yeah, they're judged. They're, they're judged, but I'm a believer, so I don't, I'm not going to be judged. That's not true. We're going to find out today. Believers are judged. Unbelievers are judged. So then the question is, well, am I judged by grace or am I judged by works? And here's where it gets a little confusing. The answer to that question is yes. Right? And see, all the grace people, they, they don't want to talk about works. Right? But the people that are out there who, who they believe in the grace of God, but they're living moral, holy lives. And then the other people are out there who, who are using grace as an excuse to, 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 to not do right. You know, it's like, wait a second, which, which matters? Does it matter? And the answer is, the answer is yes. See, you need to understand, and, and I'm going to try to try to teach some theological truths, and I'm, I'm going to put them in really simple statements, okay? And so the first one is this. You need to understand we are saved by grace, but we are judged by works. Now, you had to understand the difference in those, okay? I did not say we are saved by works. We are not saved by works at all. The Bible is very clear on this. I'm going to read you a couple of scriptures in just a moment. We are not saved by works, but we are saved for works. And you are judged by the works that you do, whether unbeliever or a believer. Either way, you're judged. You will be judged. There is a day that you and me, we will be judged for how we lived, what we did. It's very clear in Scripture. And so a lot of people today, like I love teaching about grace. Oh, I love teaching about grace. I love teaching about grace till it makes every religious demon so nervous. And I'll never stop that because this doesn't, this is, a lot of times we say, well, how do these things work together? How's grace and works work together? I'm about to show you how grace and works works together. In fact, um, to be very clear, let me read you some scripture. Um, we are saved by grace, remember, Ephesians 1, 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of his grace. 
or the riches of his grace. It didn't say according to the goodness of our works. Do you see that? It said the rich, how are we redeemed, right? How, how do we have this redemption and this forgiveness? It's by grace alone, right? Ephesians 2, 8, 9, everybody knows this. Verse, very, very famous, familiar verse. For by grace you have been saved through faith, right? That means he did everything, I believe it. My only part in being saved is believing. It's the only thing that I do, right? It's the only thing that we do. It is Jesus plus nothing. Once I add me in was Jesus plus, you know, I got to do some good things. Jesus plus I got to be more good than bad. No, 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 no. We're talking about salvation for a minute. It's by grace alone. For by grace you have been saved through faith. In other words, it was his goodness, his work, his effort. I just believe it was enough for me. Through faith and not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works. Now, this is where you got to understand this. It just said, not of works, lest anyone should boast. But understand the context Paul's giving us. Salvation is not of works. Because we're going to read the, the writings of Paul concerning works today, and you're going to find out that he's very clear. You are saved by grace alone, but you are judged by your works. Let me give you some scripture on that. Ecclesiastes 12, 14. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. Revelation 20, 13. The sea gave up their dead who were in it. Death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. 1 Peter 1.17. And, and if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work. Do you see that? How many in here are in each one? Matthew 16.27. For the Son of Man will come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he will be rewarded, and he will reward each according to to his works. Now, let me give you, I love this verse and then one after it. And there's a lot of verses about this in the Bible. Another way you could say this is we could say we are judged according to our works. You could also say it this way. We are recompensed, or you could say this, we are rewarded based on our works. Um, <laughs> listen to me very carefully. God was the first one with a rewards program. <laughs> one capital one, wasn't American Airlines. God is the first one and was the first one where the rewards and rewards program. And look what we just read. He said, look at this, and he will reward each. But how do you determine the reward you get? Based on your works. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I am coming quickly. Look at this. My reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. See, you have to understand, you, you can't really understand the context of this it, it, because if you just say, well, God's going to judge everybody. You have to understand God's intention was to reward everybody. God is a rewarder. In fact, the word of God says those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. A rewarder. And so we are saved by grace but, but we are judged by works. Remember the verse, and I said it's a very familiar verse, Ephesians 2, 8. It is by grace that you have been saved through works, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, so no one should boast. You remember that? 
Ephesians 2, 8, 9. What does verse 10 say? Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We were created. Listen, we are saved. This is what Paul says. You are saved by grace alone, but you are saved for good works. And God rewards you or judges you based on those works. Why? Because God is just. God is just. Um, let me give you another statement. So when we're talking about this, what I here, let me give you a statement about eternity and what we're talking about today. What I believe determines where I spend eternity. What I do determines how I spend eternity. Right? What I believe determines where. Meaning, if I believe in Jesus now on the earth, I have this little section of this little vapor of time, if you will, out of all eternity. Right? And if I profess faith in Jesus Christ, I'm saved. That means I'm going to be in the presence of God when I die and for all eternity. Does that make sense? If I reject God, and we talked about this last week, you know, how could a good God send people to hell? Well, God didn't create hell for people. God doesn't want to send anyone to hell, but he is just. And if, he, and if you reject him, he respects your right to choose to not be with him forever. And essentially that's what hell is. It's a place where the presence of God is not. And so if I believe in Jesus, I go to heaven. It's where I spend eternity. If I don't believe in Jesus, I go to hell. It's where I spend eternity. Here's what you need to understand. People say, well, how does God send anyone? This is what you have to understand. God has said, where do you want to live? Right? That's like buying a house in a neighborhood and, and day number two coming out there and being mad. I don't like this neighborhood. Who made me live here? You bought the house. You chose to live there. Are you with me? So, so what I believe determines where I spend eternity. What I do determines how I spend eternity. Um, the Bible talks about two judgments. These are our two points today. The Bible talks about two judgments in the Bible. And you need to understand what these are uh, because you're going to be at at least one of them. Right? Um. I remember, let me tell you this, I, I remember, um, I don't know if y'all ever had to do this. Well, yeah, because my kids still do it in their school. You know how schools do fundraisers, right? And, and you know, which means the parents do the fundraisers, right? If you're a parent, you get me on this, right? Yeah. Um, the last one we did at my kid's school was, uh, it was Mariah, Mariah, my daughter's a senior. And uh, so we had to sell moms. And um, I'm like, I already have a mom. She'll be here at 11. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, she and my dad. Anyways, um, it's a terrible joke. These are jokes for people. Anyways, um, but we had to sell moms. And so my daughter's like, you know, Dad, I got to sell these moms for the senior class trip. Blah, blah, blah. I'm like, great, baby, sell those moms. Well, nobody can say no to Mariah if you've ever met her. She's just little. She's just cute. And she's sweet. And she's kind. And so all of a sudden, she starts texting family and friends. The next thing I know, we've sold a lot of moms. Well, I still wasn't tracking yet. I'm like, good for you, babe. So a lot of moms. Then came the day, she's like, Dad, I need you to come pick up the moms because they won't fit in my car. Bring your truck and a trailer. 
And then I get there and I'm loading moms into the truck, right? Loading mom. There's moms everywhere. Moms for days. And then it was like, oh, by the way, you got to deliver these all tonight or you got to take the plastic off of them and water them. I'm like, what do I look like? Y'all do understand. I'm a dad. I'm a man. Don't care about moms. I think they look great. If you're into gardening and all that, praise God for you. Come by my house and garden. I don't because I kill things and I don't mean to. Anyways, I got them. But I remember growing up, that had nothing to do with anything. That I remember growing up, uh, it's my first year in band, and, and we did a fundraiser where we sold fruit baskets because that's what everybody wants. And, and I remember somehow, because I was ADD and probably talking, I missed out on the fact that whoever sold the most fruit baskets got rewards. And I remember when they announced who all got prizes and awards, I remember thinking, I didn't know about this. Why didn't anyone tell me? And they're like, they told us all. You were talking. I'm like, that's normal. <laughs> and, and here's the thing. Here's the thought that I had. If I'd have known that I got rewarded based on how many fruit baskets I sold, had I known there was a reward system in place, I would have worked harder. This is exactly why we're going to talk about these two judgments today. Because I want you to know whether you want to know or not. I want you to know how you live determines how you spend eternity. See, we're actually talking about this rope being eternity. And we're talking about how, how long eternity is. And this is what you need to understand. What you do in this little red section right here determines how the rest of this goes. Not just where, but how. Let me show you what we're talking about. So point number one, you ready? Point number one, you ready? That wasn't very exciting. Come on. Just pretend to be excited because I studied real hard, okay? So are you ready? All right. Point number, there you go. All right, okay. Wait a second. It's a little overcooked, okay? The, the people listening online are not going to buy that that was genuine, okay? They're going to think, no, they're just being nice, you know. But anyways, Point number one, all believers will be judged. All believers will be judged. 2 Corinthians 5.10, um, we'll read two scriptures and then we'll get to our, our verse and, and our passage in 1 Corinthians 3. But it says, 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now this is an actual happening. This is an event. This is a location this is not just figurative language, okay? So we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what has done, what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, Paul's writing this in 2 Corinthians. There's a division in the church. People are saying, well, I'm from Apollos and I'm from Paul. I go to the Baptist church. I go to the Methodist church, however you want to say it. And Paul's like, look, we're all on the same team and you need to understand this. The Baptists aren't going to judge you and the Methodists aren't going to judge you. We're going to stand before God. That's what he's saying. We're all going to stand before God. Romans 14, 10, he uses the term again. But why do you judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brothers? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So let's talk about what the judgment seat of Christ is. So the judgment seat of Christ is the believer's judgment. 
Uh, some people call it the Bema seat, which actually, if you want to put it, which they, they get that because the B-E-M-A is the Greek word for judgment seat. Um, in fact, if you want to put it in Greek, the B kind of has a V sound, so it's kind of the Vema seat. But most people say, well, the Bema seat, or if you went to old, old school church with, like I did growing up, then it was Bema, like with a really thick Bema seat. You're going to go to the Bema seat of Jesus Christ. Anyways, y'all didn't grow up where I grew up, so you don't know. Um, but, um, but anyways, so you can say the Vema seat or the judgment seat. Um, the Vema seat is just the Greek word that means judgment seat. That's all it is. Um, it's not like something deep. It's just a different language. And, and the reality is the Vema seat, the reason it's called that is if you go back to the 8th century BC, 8th century BC, um, where the Olympics are, essentially there was a Vema seat at the end of the race where the judge sat to determine who finished the race first. And so if you remember, I told you this, but a lot of Greek words are rooted in or derived from uh, military terms or sporting terms. And this is one of them. The Bema seat was actually just where the judge sat to determine who won the race. And so Paul uses this word, or this is the word used, it's the judgment seat. And so Paul is now saying there's a judgment seat. Just as there was a judgment seat at the end of the race, there's a judgment seat at the end of the race. Because remember, Paul said, let's all make sure we run our race well, right? And so he's saying, yep, there's a judgment. Even for believers, there's a judgment seat at the end of the race where you're going to be judged on not just did you run the race, but how did you run the race? Um, 1 Corinthians 3, if you're there, this is Paul describing a little bit about what that looks like. According to the grace of God, which was given me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work, notice the word, will become clear for the day. Remember I said now we're talking about the judgment day because day is capitalized. For the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss but he himself will be saved as so, yet so as through fire. So here, here's what Paul, did you just catch what he said? This is the believer's judgment. Why? Because what he's saying is your works are judged, but it doesn't determine where you spend eternity. It determines what reward you receive in eternity how you're rewarded. So we're talking about the judgment seat of Christ. And I want you to understand what, what he says about this. He says that, that what you build with is going to be tested to determine, was it eternally valuable or temporarily valuable? In other words, did it matter for eternity or did it just matter for your time on the earth? So that's what he's saying. He's saying, in other words, I, with my life, I can build out of hay and wood 
or I can build out of gold and silver. And what he's saying, what I do, so I can do things that are temporal and I can do things that are eternal while I'm here, is what he's saying. Because remember, in eternity, that's where I receive the, that's where you receive the reward. So you don't get to go to eternity and then start working for new rewards. What you end up with in eternity is completely determined by what you do now. And he's saying you can spend your life storing up or building up or building with things that are not going to be eternally significant. In other words, when they're tested, they're just going to burn up. Or you can spend your life building with things that when they're tested, they're going to endure. So they're eternal. And, and, and I don't want to take anything because listen, y'all, I like nice stuff. I have a really comfortable bed. I sleep really good in it. I like good food. Um, I like to play golf occasionally. You know, this time of year, I think about hunting, you know, that kind of thing. I'm not trying to take away from that, but let me just make some points. It won't matter how many animals, I, how many trophy animals I'm able to harvest in heaven. All the money I spent on guns and optics and bullets. Now, I love all those things. When, when, when the fire comes, all that's going to be burned up. As much as I love it, right? I, I love occasionally going and hitting a golf ball. And all the money I've spent on golf clubs and golf balls and all the things that go with it. While that's good, that's wonderful here on earth. None of that's going to translate into eternity. It's just going to burn up, right? That, that's what he's saying. How I spend my time here, like, you know, occasionally I like to watch a good show on TV. You probably like to watch a good show on TV. Isn't it crazy, though? The other night we were looking for something to watch, and I've got 87 different streaming services now. I couldn't find one thing to watch. I'm like, why am I paying $8.7 million a month for all these streaming services and I can't find a darn thing to watch. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just saying all that time I've spent watching different shows, that time is not going to have any eternal significance. The other side of that is, if we come over here, the time that I've spent serving other people, loving other people, giving to missions causes, giving to the kingdom of God, those things, when the fire tests them, they will endure because those things were eternal things. And so what Paul is making the point is he's saying, hey, each one should consider how you're building. In other words, what types of things you're building with. Are, are you spending all, is all of your attention, because it doesn't matter. Listen, I, I like having a nice house. It doesn't matter how nice my house is. It's going to be, you can't take it with you. Really, you know what the truth of the gospel, you ever heard that? You never, I remember, you know, I, I, cheesy kind of preacher quote, you know, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Well, I haven't either. That'd be weird. And, but the point they're making is no matter what you, your possessions that you have on earth, you can't take with you, right? Do you know what the word of God says? It says you can't take anything with you, but you can send some things ahead of you. Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Number one, who does the storing? You do. You determine how much treasure you have in heaven. 
I'll get back to this in a minute, but you're actually going to need treasure in heaven. That's why Jesus says that. He says, Store. here's what Jesus is saying. You can't take it with you. I can't take my house with me. I can't take my truck with me. I can't take you know, my favorite hunting rifle with me. I can't. All that stuff's going to be burned up. But here's what he's saying. You can do some things now where you send some things ahead. All the money I've given to the church, all the money I've given to missions projects, the way that I've served people and loved people and the, and the different good things that I've done to help people. See, that's all sending things ahead. I can't take anything with me, but I can send some things ahead of me. Are you with me? And so that's what Paul's saying. He's saying, hey, you need to consider, because here's what he's saying, in that short little red section, what I do there determines what I have in eternity. And so he said, you need to consider. And, and then this, I don't know if you know about this, but I thought I'd put this in there. It is possible to do a good work of eternal significance and lose the reward of it. In fact, Jesus talks about this, Matthew 6. Take heed that you, do not, uh, that you don't do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have your reward from your Father. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do, don't sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say, they have, they have their reward. But when you do a charitable deed, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be done in secret. And your father, look at this, this is such a powerful verse. I don't even think we understand it. But your father who sees in secret will, and look at this word, will himself reward you openly. Do you know heaven's going to be a reward ceremony? And he's going to call your name and reward you openly? That's what that said. He, in other words, when we all get to heaven, he's not going to walk out and say, hey, you made it. Good job. That's not what he's going to do. That's not what he's going to do. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to call us out and he's going to say, hey, John, come here. Everybody pay attention. This is John. And he did some good things of eternal significance. And I have the list. And I'm now going to reward John openly in front of every nation, tribe, and tongue for everything John did of eternal significance. Good job, John. Let's go through the list. And then I'll give you your rewards. I don't know about you, but on that day, I hope there's a list for me. Because I don't want him to say, hey, Marty, come on up. This is Marty. I want y'all to know Marty made it. All right, next. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But here's what he's saying. It's possible. He's saying it's possible to even do a good work and lose the reward. And, and the way we do that is it's not saying people, in other words, today if you're leaving and you go to put an offering in the offering box and someone sees you, it's not like Santa Claus and you disappear or something like that. It's not, it's not something weird like that. It, it, that's because that wasn't your motive. But if you stood up and said, hey, today I want to give a big offering today. I just want everybody to see my big offering that I'm going to give. I'm going to give a big offering. Here I go on the way to the offering box, give a big offering. <laughs> then you might as well keep it. You might as well keep it. You just lost the reward. Does that make sense? Um, <laughs> when, when we get to heaven, 
you need to understand some things about heaven. And, 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 and I could do a whole message on heaven. That'd be fun. I'm kind of tempted. We had a lot of questions on heaven. But let me explain some things. We're not actually uh, just in a big choir for eternity. Because I remember that. I, I remember growing up in church, you know, and someone would say, if you don't like worship, you're not going to like eternity because that's all we're going to do is sit around the throne and worship. And I remember thinking, well, I like worship, but, you know, there's a limit to how long I can sing. Well, the truth is we're not all just going to be in choir robes around the throne worshiping. That, that will probably be what we want to do, quite honestly. When we see the glory of God and his majesty and splendor, we will probably want to gather around him and just worship, honestly. But the truth is uh, we will have bodies. We're not going to be disembodied. Paul even says that this corruption will put on incorruption, 1 Corinthians 15. In other words, we're going to have an incorruptible body. So we're going to put on a new body. Right, that can withstand the glory of God so we can be in his presence. Does that make sense? Um, so we're not going to be like fat baby angels floating on clouds with harps singing, right? No, that's not what heaven is. That sounds like hell to me, all right? So I've never desired to be a cherub. So, um, <laughs> uh, but the truth is, not only that, heaven's a society. We're citizens, Paul says. We're citizens. We have our citizenship in heaven. In fact, to the, to the faithful steward, he said uh, this. He said, um, good job, good and faithful steward. And then he said, I'll make you a ruler over 10 cities. In other words, there's, there's a civilization in heaven and we all have jobs. Like somebody's going to be the mayor and it's going to be better than here. Because here I think you get $13 in an annual Snickers bar or something like that and a lot of problems. But there you're going to want to be the mayor. And, and so you're going to have differing varies of responsibility. And there's different degrees to heaven, to what you experience. Um, and there also is to hell. And so you, you need to understand that when we're talking about heaven, you're going to have bodies. We're going to know things. Not, we're not going to be all-knowing, but we're going to know a lot of things. And we're going to know each other. The Bible's clear on this. So we have bodies. We know each other. We have jobs. We have, we, we have assignments and responsibilities because we're ruling and reigning with Jesus. Right? And that's why he says, hey, you better store up some things for you there. You think you need a nice house here. You're going to need some stuff there. So he said, lay up for yourselves. Don't store up treasure here where moth and rust corrupt, but store up there because whatever you send ahead, it's eternal. Whatever you save up here, you're going to leave that behind. Does that make sense? So all believers will, will be judged and will be judged. Just, just think about this. Think about this and then I'll go on the next one. Wouldn't it make sense if God is just? So here we have someone and, and they accepted Christ, Right? And then really they didn't do anything. They profess faith in Jesus. They come to Easter, maybe Christmas, maybe every now and then, you know, if their wife throws a fit or something like that. Most of the time they're just playing golf, running their company, you know, whatever the case may be. And then over here, over here you have this person, and here she is. She's at, she's at prayer meeting. She serves on the serve team. She's, she's preaching the gospel to the children. Right, right now, she's over there serving in, in the toddler class of all classes. Right, the toddlers. Bless them. Right? 
and she's just loving on them and preaching and praying for them, the gospel. And then she's going to be at Street Reach. She's going to go out and she's going to feed the homeless. And then she's going to take cookies to, to shut-ins and, and pray for widows and the elderly. And, and this is how she spends her life. Now, would it be just when we got to heaven for God to say, hey, y'all get the same thing? It could be just. He wouldn't be a just God that way. No, this person, they're going to escape the fire and they're going to be in heaven, this guy here, because he did accept Jesus. But he didn't lay up any treasure. He's not going to be rewarded because he doesn't have any rewards. But this little lady here, oh, God's going to pull her up himself and say, hey, everybody, I want you to look at Sarah here. Wow, Sarah visited the shut-ins and, and helped some single moms and was all the time at prayer meeting and sharing her faith at work and just loving on people. Sarah serves faithfully in the toddlers for 18 years. Here's your yacht. Right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Are you tracking with me? That's kind of how this goes down. Right? My opinion, not that anyone will be famous in heaven, but here we're so familiar with the, the, the famous people and all the things they have. Like you can go Google Tiger Woods yacht. You know what I'm saying? My, my honest opinion is the people that are going to be the most famous in heaven are the people we don't even know right now. The people, the people that are going to have the most responsibility in heaven are the people we probably don't, we probably don't even follow them on Instagram. That's my personal opinion. So all believers will be judged. Here's the second thing. All unbelievers will be judged. Listen, I, I want you to understand this, just the reason, and we also talk about hell. Because if nothing else, you know what I pray over our church? Um, we pray this on Mondays a lot, but I pray it. I pray for the, for the burden or the spirit or the passion of, evangelist, of an evangelist to rest on our church. In other words, for us to be concerned that people are going to go to hell without knowing God and not just think, I hope somebody tells them or I hope they come next Easter, <laughs> but, but for us to genuinely have a burden that, hey, if, if someone dies and they have not professed faith in Jesus, there's only one place for them to go and it's horrible and it's forever. And we need to understand all unbelievers are judged. Um, let me give you what this is called. It's called the great white throne judgment. If you're wondering where we came, theologians, where theologians came up with that terminology, Revelation 20, verse 11, then I saw a great white throne. They're theologians. They're not, they're not creatives. Right? It's a great white throne judgment. Why? Then I saw a great white throne. Works for me. And him who sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Oh, that's powerful. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And books, notice that books is plural. I want to talk to you about that in a minute. And books were opened and another book, notice it's singular. Books and book were opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books, plural. The sea gave up their dead who were in it and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged each one according to his works. 
Then death and Hades were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. This is a great picture because here we have judgment day. And here's, here's what John is seeing as Jesus is revealing to him what's going to happen. He's seeing a book and books. And the book is the book of life. And anyone's name who is in the book is not going to be judged at this judgment. But based on what is written in the books, the people that are judged at this judgment are going to be judged based on that. So what is? Well, the book is the book of life. That's people that have accepted Christ or not. Is your name, will you say, is your name in the book? Right? If you ever heard old school church, oh, I thank God that my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Right? Right? Well, that's where we get the, the book of life is actually in, we just read it, right? And that's where your name is recorded if you've come to faith in Jesus, if you believe in Jesus. But notice there are books. The books are where your works are recorded. Right? So you could just say again, you, you could say it this way, what I believe determines if my name is in the book. What I do is recorded in the books. And I am recompensed, rewarded, or judged based on what's recorded in the books. And so this is a great white throne judgment. So, so that is people who, who did not have faith in Jesus. In other words, when the book of life was open, their name couldn't be found. But notice that wasn't where judgment stopped. Then he went to the books. We're talking about unbelievers. They were not in the book of life. And he said, well, they're not here. Now we open the books. And then they are rewarded or punished according to their works. I want you to think about this. If, if people in heaven are rewarded based on their works and, and the works they do, the amount of gold and silver, as Paul gives that analogy, that they store up for themselves determines the reward that they receive. In other words, we are rewarded based on what we do. Wouldn't it make sense that in hell you're punished based on what you do? Wouldn't it make sense, let's say again, here you have a person and uh, he, he claims to be an atheist. For me, it's impossible to be an atheist because the, the atheistic claim is extraordinarily arrogant because you can't claim there to be a God or there is no God without knowing everything. Right? Science say that, that even the smartest humans have like, not, that, you know, there's like 97, 98% of all knowledge we wouldn't have even if you were a genius. So, so you, you, if you're a genius, you know about 1% to 2% of everything you can know, everything there is to be known, right? So for an atheist to say, well, I know there is no God, well, you'd have to know everything. It's kind of like if, if someone came up to me and said, I know there is no Mark Strait. Well, you'd have to meet every mark in the world. Like, have you met every person in the world? That's, how, that's the only way you would know there is no mark straight. You'd have to know everything. You'd have to know everybody. Does that make sense? Are you tracking with me? And you say, well, to be a Christian, you'd have to know everything. No, no. To know mark straight, I just have to know mark straight. I don't have to know everybody in the body. If I've met him, I've met him. Does that make sense? So I only have to know one thing. I don't have to know everything. Right? So that's why with me, atheists, is like in the, in the 98% of things you don't know, is it possible God's in there somewhere? 
you know, so that's just me. I think he'd be an atheist. Anyways, the point is, let's just say here's an atheist. And I have a friend who's an atheist uh, and a moral person. Has a wife, some kids, goes to work, you know. So here is a moral atheist, what we'd say is a moral atheist, right? They, good, good family man, loves his, loves his family, goes to work, provides, faithful to his spouse, coaches soccer, right? But he doesn't profess faith in Jesus. And over here, you have Adolf Hitler. If God is just... They can't receive. The, now, when the, when the book is open, you're not going to find either of their names. Does that make sense? Because, you know, here he is. He never pr- professed faith in Christ, and obviously we don't believe Adolf Hitler did either. So when the book is open, can't find either of the names. But when he opens the books to judge the unbelievers based on their works, to punish the unbelievers, he would be unjust to give them the same punishment. Are you with me? that we are recompensed, we're, we're, we're rewarded or punished based on the works. In fact, I can show you this in Scripture. Woe to you, chara, chara, uh, I never can say this word, Cherizen. Woe to you, Bethsaida, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say, look at this, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment. That means that that means more bearable or more lenient. That's what that term means. Do you see what he's saying? He's saying they didn't believe, but I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be more lenient on them. Right? And you Capernaum you were exalted to heaven, you will be brought down to Hades if the mighty works which were done in you would have been done in Sodom. It would have remained until this day, but I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment. Here's what Jesus, he's talking to Capernaum, and he's like, hey, if, if I would have showed up in Sodom, and y'all remember Sodom and Gomorrah from, they were two cities together, right? And God destroyed them in the Old Testament. Jesus is saying, if I would have showed up to Sodom and did the miracles and preached the message that I did right here in Capernaum, Sodom would have listened. And he said, so I'm going to tell you right now, it's going to be more lenient for the people of Sodom in Judgment Day than you because you had essentially saying the Son of God preaching and doing miracles and you still wouldn't believe. But he's saying it's going to be more tolerable and more lenient. So here's what he's saying. He's saying. He's saying, listen, he's saying what we do, there again, determines how we're rewarded or how we're punished. There, there are levels and layers. If, if, it, if, if Jesus would tell us, store up for ourselves treasure in heaven, do you think it's also possible to store up for yourself judgment in hell? In fact, here's a verse for you. Romans, remember Romans 1 is about how God has revealed himself to every person. Look at, look at Romans 2, 5. But in accordance with your, the hardness of your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation the righteous judgment of God. You see what he just said? He said, you can, listen to me, you can store up for yourself treasure if you're a believer, rewards, and you'll be rewarded for it. And if you're an unbeliever, you get to store up for yourself wrath. 
Here's why this message is important. It goes back to what we talked about. This is eternity. And this is the time you spend on earth. And what you do in this little red section determines how the rest of this is spent. Now, if there was any part of you said, no, this isn't fair. I don't like this. I want you to understand two things. Number one, you alone determine which judgment you go to. You alone. You say, well, I don't believe in God. Then you alone determine. But not only that, you alone determine how. Remember what I said? What I believe determines where. What I do determines how. God has put both of those things under your power and under your control. What you believe now, you have a short period of time to express faith in Jesus, come to faith in Jesus. But what you believe now, and it's up to you what you believe or who you believe in, what you believe now determines where. But also what you do now determines how. That's why this is such an important message. Because no matter what your problems are today, that's what I can tell you, they're not eternal. No matter what you're facing today, here's what I can tell you, it's not eternal. But I can tell you this, what you do today determines not only where you spend eternity, but how you spend eternity. That's what happens. Why don't you stand with me? And I'll ask our our ministry team to come, our prayer team. We like to end all of our worship experiences with a time of prayer. For anyone who needs prayer, we want to pray for you. And so if you're on the the prayer team, ask you to come. Let's take a moment and bow our heads if we could and would. Um, And I just want to pray for us. I I know, listen, I'll tell you what, look at me one more second. I know that this may not be the most fun message. Like, I understand that. And I wish as pastor all I had to do was bring brownies and Kool-Aid every week and tell you something really good and really fun. But the truth of the matter is, these are things you're going to be accountable for, whether I talked about it or not. This is a pla- these are places you could be or you will be in one of these two judgments, and you will be rewarded or punished based on what we do. And so I just want you to, to understand today that if nothing else, I want you to take away from this message how powerful you are in that you get to choose your faith And you get to choose what you do with it. And what we do with it matters. The the problem we have today, it's a problem. I'm not going to take away from it. But it's probably not eternal. But what we do today will matter for all eternity. And if we lived every day like that, imagine how powerful we'd be for the kingdom of God. So let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you so much for your grace. And Lord, I know it's a hard message I know it's a tough message. God, I I just thank you for a church that asks these type of questions. For people that really want to know these type of truths from the Word of God. Lord, I thank you today that your Word speaks to the questions we have. And Lord, I pray today as our heads are bowed and, and we're just taking a moment. God, I just pray you would speak to us, each one. 
And so, Lord, I just ask, God, for every person that you would speak to them. I want you all just to take a moment before we leave and just say, God, what are you saying to me? We do this every weekend, and every weekend God speaks to people. And I know it's a different message, but I still think God will speak. Lord, what do you, what do you want me to take away from this message today? Lord, what do you want to say to me? God, I, I pray you'd speak to every person. And as we're just waiting for a moment for God to speak, and we're listening, um, I just want to make sure I give an opportunity for anyone that needs to come to faith in Christ to do that. Couldn't preach this message and not do that, whether you're at home or whether you're in the room. So no one's looking around, you're listening for God to speak. But I just want to say, if, if there's anyone in this room and you're not certain where you would spend eternity, you're not certain which of these judgments you would go to, I want to pray with you. And so no one's looking around. I don't want to embarrass you. I want to call you out. But if that's you and you're like, hey, I need to know for sure that I'm saved, that I'm going to spend eternity with God, then I just want you just, when I count to three, just shoot your hand up as a sign to God to say, God, here I am. I want to know for sure that I'm saved. I want to accept you. So that's you. When I count to three, just put your hand up. One, two, three, just put your hand up. I want to know for sure. Yeah, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Wonderful. Let's, as our heads are bowed, if you, if you lifted your hand, then I just want to pray with you. And the Bible says the way we are saved is we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. It's really that simple. I'll give you kind of a, an example of how you might pray, but it's really just faith, your, your own faith being expressed with your own lips. That's really what it is. But it'd be something like this. God, I believe in you and I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he died and rose again and he did that for me. And God, I ask that you would forgive me and wash me in your blood. Cleanse me, God, from anything I've done wrong. God, I choose today to believe you, to follow you, to trust in you. Help me to live for you the rest of my life. Be my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. And Lord, I pray as they prayed that prayer, God, Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them, speak to them, and guide them in this life. Help them to live for you. Lord, I just thank you, God, that you have given us this time and this space. And God, it matters. Every day matters. Help us to live like every day matters for all eternity. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, can you give Jesus one more praise today? <laughs> yes, God is, God is so good. Listen, we love you. Um, if you need prayer, please come get prayer. Everyone else say a big God bless you. We love you. We'll see you next weekend.